playing. <laughs> I thought that's not a real job. You can't have a you can't have a real job prancing around on stage and and just how look, looks like they're all just having a good time. It's it's one of those things when you start out. It's a bit of a bit of a challenge, but it does does get easier as you go along. I always say to people it will stay with you. A good review will stay with you, a bad review will stay with you. Hello and welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast, sponsored by Clearcom, the leader in voice communications for theatre and the performing arts. Call your cues with the simplicity and elegance of Clearcom Intercom Solutions. The Theatre Art Life podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world the culture creators, and the backstage masters. My name is Anna Robb. Today we're talking with Charlie Burrows. Charlie Burrows made a name for himself as a world-class power tumbler for more than a decade, becoming European and national champion. He then made the transition from athlete to artist, performing with various shows, including Lanuba by Cirque du Soleil. Following his successful career as an artist, he became an acrobatic casting advisor for Cirque du Soleil and is now based in Las Vegas, Nevada. In 2020, Charlie also founded International Casting Agency to offer a full-service casting agency for all aspects of live entertainment. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Amazing. So I know you mainly as a casting agent, but let's rewind and go back to the start and tell us about your foray into sports first and then into Cirque du Soleil. Absolutely. So um, I started out as many young kids do, flipping around in the garden and my uh, family wanted to send me into a uh, channel that energy into the into something and we, we found gymnastics. Uh, and then from a very early age, I started on the, the, part, the elite pathway and then found tumbling and competed for Great Britain for around 10, 12 years, doing uh, three world championships, four European championships. And it was actually uh, at those championships that uh, I was scouted by Cirque du Soleil. Uh, ironically, by the lady who was doing the, the job I do at Cirque du Soleil before me. Uh, and so she, <laughs> we, we, had a, we had a long conversation, a long kind of journey into this because I was still competing for, for many years. And so uh, that's there that interesting thing it was kind of four years before I'd finished competing I started having those conversations and uh I wasn't done with my sporting career so wanted to make sure that I would finish that first and finish everything that I wanted to do in in gymnastics and then the opportunity came up uh, to go to Cirque I had, I'll be a hundred percent honest I was kind of in two minds about going to Cirque du Soleil and becoming an artist I uh I went to university for business management and I had a bit of a straight track mind for going into kind of that side of things. But a lot of my friends took the circ path, like a lot of the team that I was on. And I thought, oh, maybe I should give it a go. Maybe I should just send a video. And so I was umming and ahhing for many years chatting to, to Marceline, her name was. And then the time came for me to finish and I thought, ah, okay, let's try it. And then within two weeks I had a, an offer. So I was one of those very lucky ones where things happened pretty quickly for me, really expressing interest. And then 10, 11, 12 years later now, I'm uh, living in Las Vegas. I never thought I would uh, leave home as a mummy's boy. <laughs> didn't really, <laughs> um, really want to leave England. And then now here I am, 10 hour flight away and, and, and couldn't be happier. And yeah, 
that's my little journey through from sport to, to the entertainment world. Amazing. What was your hesitation, did you think, about going into that world? Yeah, so I'll be 100% kind of honest. I thought it was playing. <laughs> I thought that's not a real job. You can't have a, you can't have a real job prancing around on stage and, and just have, look, looks like they're all just having a good time. I was like, ah, oh, you need to be serious and you need to buckle down and, and, and focus on that. And so it was more of a, my perception of what being an artist was and I wasn't I saw my friends having a great time living all over the world uh, traveling all over the world and I thought oh I'm yeah but what am I going to do afterwards what how long can I do that for and so I had this preoccupation of is is this really long term okay you're having fun but are you growing are you developing and all that and so that, honestly, that just coming from, a, I, I went to a very good school and I came from a very academic background. Uh, my, my high school, as, as you call it here, my secondary school, I think 60% of the uh, people went to Oxford or Cambridge. So it was a very, very academic driven school. And so for me to be saying, I'm going to go run off and join the, the circus and doing gymnastics. And it was, it was very different. So I think it was that really that, gave me a little bit of concern. Uh, but honestly, then, then I came and, and I have to say it was playing. <laughs> it, it really was. Um, <laughs> but what was, what was amazing was I was able to kind of play and then continue to grow in different avenues and, and learn and now kind of have continued that growing through into casting. And yeah, so that was, that was where my concerns were, but they were, they were unfounded. I was able to find avenues to really challenge myself and, and yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> I guess, as you know, as you go into the unknown of an industry, you know, nothing about, then of course there's going to be some hesitation, right? And then there's that oh, yeah, public absolutely. facing perception of what entertainment is. And then the reality, because actually, you know, running a show is actually quite a grind. There's all sorts, all sorts of kind of psychological challenges as a performer to smash out 10 shows a week, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's like one thing that you kind of don't understand until you're, until you're living it. Yes. You're, you're doing something you're, you're incredibly passionate about and been training your whole life for, but at the same time, it's a different kind of, a different mentality to, to sport. I can kind of obviously just talk really from the sport world where you kind of go on these peaks and troughs and you work really, really hard for one event and then that event happens and then you have your, your downtime. You break up, break down the skills. You take a little minute to kind of work on different things and then you intensify again. Whereas what kind of performing is, and you quickly realize that, is not necessarily being at that peak the whole time, but maintaining this level consistently 10 shows a week, 48, 47 weeks a year. And or if you're on the road traveling and then the next day having to load in and train and then perform that night. So it's a different, it's a different challenge in terms of kind of the, the, I don't want to say the level is lower, but in terms of the consistency is what's what's different and that's the big thing that you notice and then not only that you have so much other stuff around whatever act you're doing whatever discipline that takes a lot not only the the artistic side and adding in that performance aspect and and understanding you're performing for 2000 2000 spectators every night and you're having to to not only do what you're doing for you 
but you have to do it for everybody else. And then on top of that, you've got all of the show procedures and everything to learn. So it's definitely a lot more than, than, than I had in terms of, uh, my expectations coming in, but all manageable, all manageable and all exciting to learn in different ways. And actually something I liked because like I mentioned before, I enjoy challenges and I'm, I enjoy feeling like, like I'm growing in, in whatever avenue I'm following. So to have that ability and to, to learn about all the aspects that go into a show and live entertainment is, is really interesting for me, for somebody coming from that, that side of the, the sporting world. Yeah. And, you know, as a former stage manager of that kind of things, I totally understand that level of performance. You know, we always were appreciative of performers that understood their capacity to perform consistently and deliver at that, yes. whether that be 80%, <laughs> you know, and stay in the show consistently over somebody who's going to give 110%, but then be out because of an injury and then in and out and in and out of the show because they're pushing themselves too hard. And that's the biggest lesson I think people need to learn when they come into that is where's that Absolutely. cap? And how can they deliver that consistency? And maybe that's not, you know, you being the superstar, but it's an ensemble, generally it's an ensemble performance that needs consistency for it to be a great show. Absolutely. And and for for someone from sport, maybe gymnastics coming to see a show, often the they see certain tricks like, oh, like we could do I could do better than that. But you like you said, it's it's doing that once every however long a competition is but it's not doing it every single night and that's actually something that I look at now in my current role in casting is when you're speaking to to athletes that are transitioning and going to follow that same pathway that I took myself it's something that we explain to them and say look this is this this is the marathon not a sprint so you have to be able to come in and conduct yourself in a way to sustain whether that's making sure you're doing your PMED exercises, making sure that you're doing your strength and conditioning. All of those things go into this uh, rounding of finding an artist or an artist that's going to be the most successful on stage. And it's not necessarily the Olympic champion. That that can be the case. And, and sometimes that is. But at the same time, it's not. that's not all that we're looking for as in casting is can they do the best trick? There is a plethora of things and, and aspects that go into an amazing performer and somebody that you'd want to hire for for your show. Yeah, and it's not just technical ability, right? So exactly. there's many other things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the transition from performing to casting and how did that happen? And do you think that your, you know, initial business sort of mindset and acumen was something that contributed to you wanting to take that transition out of performer and into that particular realm? Yeah, so there was a couple of um, a few factors that actually like led up to to the transition happening. It happened a little earlier than I kind of had in my head. Um, I had a little bit more of a a longer performance career planned. I unfortunately had a had a bit of an accident uh, on the show, and I managed to somehow snap both Achilles and break both ankles all in one go. Um, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> that was. <laughs> It was extremely intense, um, and yeah, we won't dwell too long on that. It was in training um, at the at the show in Orlando, and I was then obviously needed to rehab from that. And it took me three months to walk again. And the the doctor said to me, "Well, we'll get you back to walking, 
I cannot promise that we'll get you back to tumbling and performing. Obviously, with my the artist mentality, athlete mentality, you you don't listen to that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on stage, which I did. And I went back to power track. I was performing power track, and then I actually got the opportunity to uh, back up one of the lead roles, which was uh, less acrobatic and was more aerial. And so I jumped head first into that because it was slightly less strenuous on my body. And um, I ended up actually performing the role many, many times because I would take it in turns with the the other uh, artist that was performing the role. And that was, it was an ambition of mine to perform that role, actually. And it, it became available whilst I was injured. And it was a little bit hard to see it, it get passed on without the opportunity. But then fortunately, I managed to do it. And so I was able to actually stay performing for, for a couple more years mainly because I was doing that role and power tracks. So the show staff, the coaching and the artistic director were, were great. And they, I, I, they gave me the role and I was able to perform that, which was, as I said, less strenuous. So I, I kept going for two, two more years. However, it, it was painful and I was, it was, I was struggling a bit. And then the, the casting opportunity came up. And I hadn't, hadn't really thought about doing it at that point. I'd always thought casting in my head could be somewhere to go, as lots of artists, um, I think, do. But the actual role that came available at that time was a, a trampoline and tumbling scout <laughs> for rebound. And literally, that's my background. That's where I came from. My parents had persuaded me to take French for my A-levels back in England, which I reluctantly did which helped because I then moved to Montreal and uh, the working language is French. We switched between the two, but that was something that really uh, helped as well. And then, like you said, having the business management degree and the ability to have an administrative knowledge was, I, I also think, a very big driver in me getting the position because the one thing that people see for a, a scout or somebody working in casting is they see that front end of going out, finding the talent and chatting with artists and building relationships, which is a very big part of the job, but it is probably 20% of the job. The rest is a lot of emails, <laughs> a lot of administrative planning, following processes, and especially working for bigger companies and bigger productions where there's a lot of players at stake, stage management, coaching, artistic directors, immigration. There's so many things that go into getting an artist on stage and having a bit more of a I would say a background in that, in, in business and admin, it really, 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 really helped for that. So, yeah, so basically I think that the, the two years that I did in, in both business management and French was what really helped me. And it was kind of like the stars were aligning a little bit because that role came up and then I took a moment and thought, is this, is this the time? And then after I, I, I finished and I, and I went to Montreal, I thought, oh, it's really nice not to have to jump when I wake up in the morning and my feet hurt. <laughs> so, I was like, so, that, so that kind of rolled into this job. And, and I'm not going to lie, the first month in Montreal was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Like going, going to a, a, in theory, nine to five job in a new country in French being the speaking language, having to learn so many different things about 
shows and the casting process and then the the other side of, of shows and how things work, which is, was a lot to take in. And especially for someone who was, was around 25 when I started, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> and going in and I suddenly found out I didn't really know anything at all. I knew trampoline and tumbling, but I really had no idea. I remember being sat in one meeting in my first, uh, and I use this example a lot, a colleague of mine at the, at the time, and she still is actually, a lady called Bridget Scherer, and she's been in casting for many years. And she's extremely knowledgeable and, and, and very, very good at her job. And I remember sitting in this meeting and uh, someone said, yeah, we're having trouble finding this. Does anybody have any ideas for this position? And I thought, okay, I'm going to try and, joining the, the, the discussion, said, what about this person or this person or this person? And Brigitte, within three seconds, rolled off exactly what show they were on, why they're not available, why they're not suitable. And it was like an encyclopedia of, of names and knowledge and reasons why and this. And I was, I went, okay, that's the, that's the goal, <laughs> to, to be able to kind of have this global view of everything. And like, I, I honestly thought, how... How, how does she know all this stuff? But it comes with time. And I always say the longer that you do the job, the easier the job becomes. Because mm. one, you become more well-known in the community. The other thing is you're working on these casting holes, on these profiles. And so it's, it's one of those things when you start out, it's a bit of a, bit of a challenge, but it does, does get easier as you go along. And now a note from our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Clearcom. Clearcom is the leader in voice communications for theatre and the performing arts. Call your cues with the simplicity and elegance of Clearcom Intercom Solutions. You can find them at clearcom.com. Go check them out. And in while you were with Cirque, do, were you also, did you um, broaden your horizons outside just scouting the tumbling gymnastics sort of profile? And then the second question to that is when you did that, what was your learning process to understand and seek what you're looking for in other disciplines that you weren't trained in? Yeah, absolutely. So that was the role that I, I started in and I was very fortunate, um, as I said, to be brought in in that kind of specialist role. Back in the day, there was a lot more specialists in the department. And so it was, a, it was an easier transition. But then what happened was um, I worked under a lady called Stacey Clark, who was my mentor and, and taught me a lot about everything. <laughs> and uh, from there I started working and I worked on the creation of, of Volta as assistant under, under Stacey. So was able to focus more on, on some of the profiles that I was more familiar with, but then also work on the, the newer profiles and the more artistic profiles with that backing and that knowledge of somebody with that wealth of experience and allowing me to kind of run, but with, with that kind of guidance, uh, from, from behind, which was very fortunate. And within the team I was working and the exposure, exposure that I had to the artistic directors, um, the clown specialists that I'm working with, the dance specialists that sat next to me, we all worked together to share knowledge and to share an understanding of, of attributes and when working in that way and in that collaborative fashion, you begin to learn and understand different different nuances and, and the artistic qualities of, of performances. And that I then started to lead auditions as well and taking on not only the, the acrobatic section, but also then leading the, the acting part of it, leading the dance section and trying to teach 
and what I primarily was doing it was was sport and circus, and I was really drawing from my own experiences in in going from an athlete through to a character role on on one of the major productions, and I'm trying to understand how I went through that journey, and then a, applying that in the audition process, and applying that in then how we are witnessing different acts and and seeing what their suitability are for for various different roles and then the other thing is a lot of exposure (laughs) i'm very fortunate i've been exposed to numerous numerous acts and understanding what what makes an act work what makes an act doesn't work what is a good act structure oh and and the more you start watching stuff you like okay that was good, but why was that one better than that one? Oh, because there was a much better flow to the act. We weren't at one tone. There was light and dark. And so then you start to see what works and, and what doesn't purely by your, one, your own assessment, the people around you. Um, but the, the more you, the more you witness and the more you're, you're exposed to, the easier it is to start to evaluate not only a technical aspect or it's, what the act or the artist is and what they bring as a whole. The other side of things is, is the, um, the personality of the artists and, and, and how they one work and two would approach the setting and the show that they're, they're going to, because not every show is the same, uh, all of that. And that's the, I would say the harder part of the job because in reality, these days with, the speed of casting, the costs and budget restrictions, just the realities of entertainment in 2023, we hire 90% from videos. We're, we're getting video submissions via whichever platform it is that you're, you're searching through. But it's basically that we do a minute, ask for a minute introduction or, and if we have fortunate, we'll do a video call with an artist. But when you're looking for the top, top talent, they might be in some small village in Brazil. And how are we going to, to see them? And it's great that we're able to use technology to reach them. And because back in the day, I remember them telling me in casting back in the day, we used to have a whole room full of video cassettes with these trolleys and each each casting advisor talents had a tv with with on a trolley and they would push the cart with the tv and they would have all their video cassettes watching watching these artists so when you think about that to where we are today it's it's amazing because we have a reach bigger reach but the one thing that is always the challenge is matching the artist's to the role because it's not so sometimes the best 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 is not necessarily what that show is looking for and that's one thing um working with existing shows that are that are up and running and you're doing replacements that's one thing you learn very quickly is the artistic director and the the coaching staff or or the dance coach or whoever is, is making that decision or the team that's making that decision they have lots of lots of things in their head as to why they're making that decision. Me as a as a casting advisor will show you the best people and will will hear what they're saying to me. And sometimes you get more information than than other times. But we'll be showing them the the best candidates, and they might make decisions. And you're like, ah, well, that isn't who I would who I would have taken. But then when you go into it and you hear the reasons behind it, you're like, okay, now I see where you're coming from. I still might have gone with that one, <laughs> but at least 
at least we understand the reason and the thought process behind where you're coming from. And that's the biggest thing you don't see as an artist. And a lot of artists, you hear the, the artist grumbles of, oh, I don't know why they've picked that one. I don't know why they've picked that one. And there's sometimes, like I said, there might be immigration. It might be, we've had a big thing with the vaccines. That's getting slightly less now. But all these different things that, that you have to juggle and, and it's important to try and kind of take all of that into consideration. Mm. No, thank you. That's a really good explanation. Oh, I wonder, like you said, you kind of mentioned that the shows themselves probably have a lot of input as to which one of the talent that you, that they choose. But do you, uh, do you also do that vetting somewhat somehow in terms of the softer side of beyond the technical skill, you know, personality, um, commitment, um, ability to stay the course on a particular show, um, etc and yeah. and what is what is that process for you is it an interview are you asking certain questions what are you looking for and how do you assess that absolutely so as I'll, I'll go back to quickly the the thing i said at the beginning the longer that you do the job the easier the job becomes because um in our communities there is a big talent pool but there's also a, a small talent pool and it's like with any job if if you're going to try and become the I don't know, senior account executive at Apple, you're going to need experience. You're going to need to have something under your belt and a history and a work history. And a lot, sometimes I think artists don't, don't really understand that sometimes and, and having show experience and a, and a history on stage that helps us make decisions into whether they're going to be good for the next show because one they've learned things which is good two your reputa- reputation precedes you <laughs> with a very small very small tight-knit community this the circus world and and the the variety entertainment world and generally the way that I often will do it, it was kind of a two-pronged approach the first one will be like okay where have they worked previously who do I know at those shows? And then I'll reach out to them and say, hey, you worked with this person a few years ago. How was it? If they've worked for the same company previously, then that's easy. We contact previous directors, previous coaches, but we also reach out to networks going further afield. We're we're one family, the the circus world and, and entertainment and within a couple of throws, you're at somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. It's not like we're yeah. working in in isolation in a silo. So getting that feedback from previous shows and previous experiences is 100% done continually, continually. Every time. Every time, exactly. Every time, not only um, not only from the, the management staff and the, the artistic directors, I use my net, my artist networks as well. I have a I'm haven't been performing for a while now, but I still have a big reach and and try and keep in contact with in communication with a lot of artists. Always trying to keep in 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 communication because I feel that the, the more open and and available you are, the better better it is for the job and and the more successful you can be. But finding out how they work with other artists, what the experience was on a various in a team. Did you did they work well in that team? And you're obviously not going to take one person's review, and that's going to be the stand. That's okay. The one person said a bad thing. That's it. We're never hiring you again. That's not the case at all. Gen, like people fit better in one situation than they do another. That's also understood as. But 
the the feedback and the the way you approach a contract i always say to people it will stay with you a good review will stay with you a bad review will stay with you so if you come to a, a contract and you you are a hard worker you do what do your best and and you fit in with the team and all of those things it's very 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 important the other side of things which we which we try and do as much as possible sometimes when we're doing the the rush castings it doesn't happen but we'll try and do a video call with the artistic director and the um and the artist to just go over the show clarify expectations and generally that's only done with maybe a couple of artists when it's getting down because everybody's very busy we're all moving very quickly and then the more we do that the more we're working with artists and the more we do this research that the bigger that knowledge comes and and so then moving forward i've been doing this a minute now and and the relationships that that i build with the artistic directors with the coaches or the the the, uh, the dance coaches the longer that, that you do it, I, I would hope that I'm able to then say, this one will be good because of this. And so now, especially here in Vegas, I have a really good um, working relationship with all the shows that I'm working with. And so I'm able to, able to kind of give those recommendations on knowledge and ex- previous experiences. And, and, and yeah, so that is also a big side of the, the job is, is relationships and how you understand what what the client don't like the client but the client needs in terms of i kind of see us working on like a on a partner level we're all trying to make the best show possible i'm here as a part trying to give you the best people you're doing your part to get them on stage and keep it going but we're all working towards one goal um and so to to build that relationship is what kind of helps me give a little bit more influence in terms of feedback on various artists and and give them a bit of a rounder rounder view on what the candidate will be like Mm, interesting uh how long have you been doing casting now how many years so i started 2015 what are we now so nearly eight years actually eight years now in april yeah Right. There was a so little little that, gap there in the middle <laughs> yeah. with the pandemic. In, in, yeah, just just a short gap. Um in <laughs> in that um in that time, I mean I, I guess it's easier to probably look over a twenty year period, but in that time over eight years, has the talent pool expanded, contracted, shifted, changed in any ways that you've seen? Is is there been adjustments since you started? Yes. And what is that? Yeah, it's I yeah, I it's it comes in waves and it's it's always changing. That is I wouldn't say there is one general direction in any in any like discipline or field because sometimes one certain discipline will become very popular and we'll have lots of people and then there'll be lots of roles for that discipline. So therefore it will kind of go boom and then the, the opposite will happen. So for instance, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of, of tissue acts out there. And like, because that was very, very popular back in the, the 90s, early 2000s, that's a little, little less apparent. I mean, we still have them, still very, very good acts, but that's slightly less popular. We're more looking at dance trapeze and some of the slightly more modern disciplines. We've got disciplines that there's a massive demand on the market in terms of on the shows like teeterboard for instance every show wants teeterboard so 
it's a discipline that's now really growing in terms of artists are seeing, oh, if I learn teeterboard, I, I'm going to, there's a lot of opportunity in that discipline. So you kind of watch the trends go with where the opportunity is. The one big thing that, um, Hair hanging. There's a lot of hair hanging hair, around recently. Hair hanging. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a funny, a funny story about that very quickly. So, actually, Volta was um, the first creation I worked on. And six weeks before the show opened, seven weeks, uh, Guy uh, Le Liberté watched the show and said, we're missing something. We're missing an act. I want it to be something that's like Burning Man at 3 a.m. in the morning. I want it to be kind of to shock the audience. So this is seven weeks before taking into consideration immigration, finding the talent, contracting the talent, putting the act in the show. It's, this often happens in those, the big productions, last minute changes. Yeah. So uh, on YouTube, we were just very uh, like searching, panicking, and we had a, a late night <laughs> presentation. And I just showed a like inspiration, a clip of um, a girl I found on YouTube actually, who wasn't available. She was in another show, but it was a more kind of balletic approach, dance approach to hair suspension. When before, a lot of the main people that do it would be like traditional juggling and and that kind of traditional circus. And then they're like, yeah, we love it. I'm like, well, she's not available. Okay, so we have to find someone. And long story short, uh, a friend of mine from Lanuba suggested Danila Bim, who uh, was also on Kidam on Aerial Hoop. And I was like, he said, oh, she's just started doing it. She sent me a quick clip of her doing, doing her spin. And she's a very, very, very fast spinner. And I was like, okay, can you make a video by Monday? This was Friday. She was like, I'm at Carnival. <laughs> I was like, okay, um, can you, can you, Try and, oh, I'll try and figure it out. So she made a very quick video. She told me her friend was pulling in the Speedos uh, in a studio she found in the middle of Carnival. We managed, <laughs> to get her on, we managed to get her to Montreal, Brazilian passport to Montreal, integrated, and she made the premiere. And from then, wow. she's beautiful, beautiful performer. And, and from then, back in 2017, that was, since then, the discipline's gone because one of the major shows was was featuring it as the pretty much one of the main acts in the show, and so that just goes back to what I was saying about trends. You, they see, oh wow, that's cool, and so then now there's a lot of artists on the market and a lot of need on the market. Every every show seems to be be putting it in because it's it's a beautiful act, and for the everyday public, which is who we're doing shows for, it still has that wow effect that that they're looking for. So it's, uh, so it's essentially you could say it, that, that you essentially started the hair hanging trend. To get I'm taking credit for it. Yeah, I'm completely your- taking credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely taking credit for it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I actually have to say down to Danila because Danila, she's a beautiful, beautiful performer. And, and yeah, you can ignite the spark, really but somebody has to take it home, right? Somebody. And that, and that, and I'm going back. That's, a lot of artists will come and say, oh, thank you so much for getting me the job. And very quickly, I, I always say, and it's, and it's so true, I didn't get you the job. You got you the job. I, I was a facilitator, but by you being good makes me look good. <laughs> but we're, yeah. again, we're all partners. We're all partners working to one goal. We're all partners to go on stage. It's, I'm not, I, I don't need a thank you from you. Yeah, we, we worked together to get you this position, but you you did it yourself. Like you 
you're the one that, that made it. So like be proud of that. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, def- I just, I see us all on one team if, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So um, I've got a couple more questions. Um, what can an artist do to be noticed by casting and what's important in the communication to the artists, to the, to, for the, from an artist to a casting agent and, and give us, give them some tips beyond the technical skill, how, how to, how to arrive yeah. on your desk to be chosen. Okay, so um, all the major companies, whether it be Set de Soleil, my company, ICA, whatever, Dragon, there's various different platforms for you to apply online, get your videos into databases and, and be seen. Um, most of the bigger companies uh, will have a system in where they're able to take on these these videos and these applications and process them, have them evaluated and store them for the future. That's great. And uh, with Circle with ICA, they're all evaluated by specialists so that when the opportunity comes, they're able to search the database and pull out an artist from America who is this tool and who has this and these attributes and we're able to filter down. So the first thing is making sure that you're keeping your profiles on these various different platforms up to date, adding new videos when you have it. Because if you don't add those videos, the casting advisor or talent scout that is looking at your files does not know you do those skills if you don't show them if you don't show if you don't show a certain skill level or a discipline that you just put one discipline in in your file no one's going to have an idea that you're doing something else and sometimes in even a secondary discipline where it's it's not your primary you maybe don't even have an act for it it's just skills and, and you can do a little bit there might be that role that one random role where they're looking for somebody to do hair suspension but who can also be a ballet dancer but if you've only put on there that your your hair suspension act we don't know that you have a, ba- a ballet training background you might be able to see it in the act but these kinds of weird combinations can sometimes be the difference between getting a role and not getting a role because people, we, we do our due diligence to investigate artists and ask questions, but we move very quickly and things, sometimes things don't come through or information doesn't come through. So the first thing is if you don't tell us, we don't know. (laughs) So making sure that you're, you're, you're keeping that up to date as possible. That's like the primary way to do it. Keeping an eye on all the social media platforms as to when opportunities are coming up in terms of casting calls and auditions. I'm still a firm believer of get going to a live audition, meeting the, 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 the casting agent or representative and having a discussion with them, getting to know them because those live face-to-face moments, whether that's an audition, a festival, or even just out and about, it's great to have that connection because then you're you're one step further in terms of the personal knowing what the the characteristics you become are more memorable you are as a person exactly yeah and you become a real person not a video on on the on the screen as i said the reality is that's probably how you're going to get hired is by making sure that your your videos are there but where you have that opportunity to make that do that extra step, do it, go to that audition, go and try and say hi at the the festival. Even if it's just a quick hello, then follow up with an email. I, me personally, if you email me, I will 100% do my best to get back to you because we want to create a, Uh, an open communication channel where you can ask questions because the more information that we give out, the better prepared you are going to be for roles that come up. If I go to a, 
I go to a, an audition and this happens regularly. I'll, I'll see someone in an audition and they're really talented, but they're not really quite, if we're looking for one particular thing, but I can say, if you go and learn this and this, you can easily do it, video it. Then when we have a need in a rush need for somebody to start in five days who can already do this and this, you're already prepared. And so that's the more information I can give out the, the better you are going to be as an artist and the better and more hireable you're going to be. So feel free to reach out to everyone and anyone. Sometimes you'll get, it might be a while to get a response back. I always say to people, if I don't respond, email me again. I'm honestly not being rude. It's sometimes they just, the emails get a lot, but it's not a question of ignoring artists because I feel the more in touch we are with the community and the, the more information we can get, the better it's going to be for everybody. So you can be done via email. Email is generally the best. Social media is awesome, but I sometimes read that on a Saturday afternoon and then I forget to get back to them on a Monday morning. So emails is always the best. Um, but don't be scared. Instagram, it's, it's that the message that, that these days that, that I would like to, to um, pass on as like personally is we're not casting uh, advisors and talents. They're not somebody you should be scared of approaching and chatting to and having a discussion with because at the end of the day, they want to meet you. They want to hear from you and they want to have discussions with you because you're the talent that, that we want on stage. So don't be scared to go and say hi and to have those conversations. And it can be a bit daunting at times, but it, it, it's a really valuable part of the, the process. Amazing. And, and do you think just generally, though, um, that people could get better at self-promotion? Artists could be better at it? Do you feel like from what they, from what you, the skills that you see and what they actually submit, do you think that there's a gap? Certainly. Yes, absolutely. And in turn, we can do a long, we could go into details on how to make a good demo. Um, but show, show <laughs> that's, your, a webinar, uh, that's a webinar we can do together, Charlie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, we can go into, I'll go off on a tangent on that one. But yes, anytime you're, you're sharing stuff, anytime that you're putting yourself out there, it, it's showing the world who you are. And so even on Instagram, okay, yeah, you put whatever you want on there. It's, it's all good. But people will go and check these days. Uh, uh, casting um, advisors or directors or coaches. Oh, I saw this kid do this thing on Instagram. You never know who is looking. And to not use that outlet seems crazy to me because who knows? It's not to say that you're definitely going to get a job if you have an awesome social media but it's not going to hurt. <laughs> it's not right. going to make, it's not going to, it's not going to be a detriment to you if you have amazing, uh, easily accessible videos that are showing you in a good light. It's, it's no one's going to say, Oh, that's, that's a bad thing. So it's yeah. not, uh, if you're not good at your Instagram and it's not good that you're not going to get any jobs, that's not at all, but it's just an added, an added bonus and an added, avenue for you and the more you can get yourself out there the more you can promote yourself the the more chance you have of catching someone's eye and we all forward instagram videos to each other every five minutes or facebook or whatever and say oh did you check this out and then you save it for later and you never know when that opportunity might be coming up and it might just the stars will align and yeah and it, and it will work out so i would highly recommend it it's not a be all and end all but Yes, absolutely. Mm. 
Yeah, and I totally agree. I mean, my children don't have social media, but occasionally my daughter steals my phone and I have a whole collection of acrobatic reels saved <laughs> apparently because she likes them. Yeah. So, uh, the- <laughs> yeah, they're there. <laughs> they're there. Send them across. Send them yeah, across. Exactly. <laughs> um, since she saw Cirque du Soleil last summer, she's been like, I want to be a gymnast or I want to be in the show. Oh, that's so, awesome. Which uh, is super cool. Um, so we always ask our podcast guests uh, two last questions. So we're going to finish off with uh, these ones. So the first one is um, – What's your most favorite thing about your job or the industry? Uh, So my favorite thing about my job in particular um, is seeing an artist, and it's now because it's it's been a little bit of time since I've been doing it, seeing somebody who I had a conversation with or I had a connection with or I had a a moment and actually explained performing is like, what life is like. And they're maybe umming and ahhing about it, especially if if it's from an athlete perspective, even circus as well. But somebody who was was here in the in the timeline and then now seeing them on stage happy, no like enjoying themselves, couldn't be happier in in what they're doing. That's like a a very special feeling to kind of, as I said before, the artists did it themselves, but it's very nice to see that I had a, an, an impact on this person's life and career in a, in a, in a, in a way. And that's, it's, that's, that's really awesome feelings when I go and see the shows and I see somebody and see how far they've come and, and what they're doing and, and especially someone maybe that I've kind of pushed for, or I've had a bit more of a, uh, like a, I say, an influential part in their their journey, but that's a really it's a special feeling that I get to be involved in that level, having finished performing. So I still have that connection to the shows and to the performance world, um, and have, yeah, having that opportunity after a career as a performer is yeah, it's very fortunate, and I'm I'm very grateful for it. It's a great answer, Annette, and I can imagine how rewarding that would be to see that you've participated. I mean, it's it's when you help other people succeed that um, you being a vehicle for that is, is there's nothing better to have a job than, than, than allows other people to succeed, I think, because. Exactly. Yeah, and the more, as I said yeah. before, the more they succeed, the more I succeed. And so it's, it's everybody's on the same team and the more the show succeeds. And so every, it's, it's a win, win, win for, for everyone. And so that's like, that is very rewarding and, and, and special, special feeling. Mm. And so the second question is, if you could change one thing about your job or the industry, what would that be? The industry. That's what, I, well, this is kind of my job, my industry. I would change immigration. <laughs> I would get away with immigration. <laughs> uh, that is the bane of my and many of my colleagues in the shows. In my, that is, if we didn't I have immigration, that. the world would be well, not the world, maybe. Um, we, we need it for certain aspects, but in a jokey way. To take that challenge away would <laughs> would be a game changer for entertainment and the ability for people to work all over the world and travel and and it's, I think entertainment uh, it's one of those uh, 
it's I don't know. I mean, maybe that maybe I'm being biased because I'm from one from that this world. But if entertainment had some kind of <laughs> way that we could make this easier um, to allow people to tour, to allow people to come to America to work and perform and 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 perform in these shows, because the level and the exceptional talent that there is around the world, and sometimes those roadblocks that just get put in the way. I really, it's hard to swallow sometimes. We've had a big, big challenge recently over the last few years with, with COVID, with the war in Ukraine. There's, it's just, there's so many roadblocks to do with this, these bureaucratic things. And so if I could just wave a, wave a wand and change everything, change that aspect, I would change it because I feel that we would be able to give a lot more people uh, better opportunities. I love that answer and I think it's possibly the most <laughs> unique answer to that question we've ever had. So I'm so happy about that. You're like, it's so good. And you know what, it could help a lot of things. But I, I totally agree. You don't want it to be a barrier for people to get work and, and jobs and especially when certain passports have more difficulty to get into certain locations. And I mean, exactly. that even me in, 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 in my world and my employment thing, that some things when you're just like, you don't want that to be what stops that person getting a job because of their passport exactly, or yeah, exactly. immigration. Problem. Exactly. And I mean, it goes even further. You, you don't want to stop anyone yeah. who has the talent and has the ability to do something, whether it's immigration, whether it's, it's like social aspects or whatever it is, you want to try and be able to help facilitate whoever to get the right opportunity, no matter what. And the hands tied thing with I'm, I'm not being able to change that one. That's yeah. It gets a bit frustrating sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Charlie, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us on the theater at life podcast. I've had such a ball chatting with you. I mean, I know we're thank friends you. anyway, but it's, it's, it's good to do it formally so we can, everybody can hear about your work and experience. Exactly. Thank you so much. I've, uh, I've had a great time being here. Theater at life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only 38 US dollars per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.